Welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking with Megan and Nick from the YouTube sailing channel, The O'Kellys. Megan and Nick live full-time aboard a 2005 Leopard 46 catamaran called Clarity, which they have been cruising through the Caribbean and the east coast of the US for the past five years. They have been cruising for years on and off aboard monohulls and most recently their catamaran between their previous careers. Megan was an executive recruiter in Silicon Valley and Nick was a pilot and a meteorologist. They now produce educational, funny and entertaining videos on how to sail, refit and maintain a boat, live aboard full-time and work remotely, as well as run a podcast offering consultation to aspiring full-time cruisers and most recently setting up a coffee business. You can learn more about Nick and Megan on their YouTube channel, The O'Kellys. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Ocean Cruises podcast will be hosting their first annual charter in October of 2021. Hosted by Sailor George Charters in the beautiful island of Syros in Greece. Joining us on a fabulous 56-foot ocean star sailing yacht will be our ocean cruisers, Mandy and Alex of See the Little Things, Maddie and Herbie of The Rigging Doctor, Michael and Joel of Bombs on a Boat, Judy and Steve of Sailing Fur Isle, and Josh Post. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages for regular updates and make sure you are following our guests' YouTube channels to watch their coverage and keep your eye on our YouTube page for a full series of the Charter. Yes, absolutely Good, okay. where, are you, where are you guys now? You look like you're um, indoors somewhere. Yeah, we sold <laughs> yeah. the boat and this is our new house yeah. uh, right here. <laughs> uh, we're at a patron's house, Clarity is... Whoa. Sorry, okay, sorry. We're in uh, near Annapolis, Maryland. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, and the boat's tied up back here. This is a patron's house. Yeah, that's have... so handy. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, handy. It's just nice to have like good friends who like it support is. you and help you out and stuff. Oh yeah, we I mean... have the nicest patrons. I mean, just the generosity is incredible. Um, yeah, it's where incredible. we're at, the um, yeah, the catamaran slip prices are just like crazy. So yeah, it's a yeah. huge savings for us. I've I've been so shocked at like listening to some of the prices of um of berthing up in in the states. Like I've been up chat with some people in California, and um yeah, for like a catamaran in any, anywhere in California, to be honest, you're looking like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year in some places. That would like, be to have that is that seems up. low. Florida is like five that would to seem nine thousand a month. Yeah, that's low. Yeah, yeah. For a forty six foot cat in Fort Lauderdale, we were just there what, three months ago? And uh, we know somebody was paying six a month. Yeah. And 6, somebody 000. else who was paying 9,000 a month. Yeah. A oh month. my God. <laughs> but California is tough because there's not many slips. So you have to get like a wait list. And... Yeah. And then there's all these liveaboard yeah. restrictions. They only allow like 10% occupancy liveaboard. And so yeah. you're on a wait list, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. There's just people queuing up to spend like $10,000 on a space of water. I, know. <laughs> I don't understand. I know. Uh, and where are you? It's like in, uh, so I'm, I'm based in Spain. Um, so our, our cruising ground is like the south of Spain and like the Balearic Islands, like Ibiza, that type oh, of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's nice. We had, um, I've got uh, one of my friends from California called Josh. 
he uh, he came over for the summer for a couple of weeks and um yeah he was he was incredibly surprised by like how cheap it was like we pull into a marina here the boat i'm on now this is like a 35 foot mono hull it's a moody and um an expensive rate like super expensive would be like 70 dollars a day and that would be like ridiculous. You'll be so annoyed at that. Well, my my so my yeah. other friends have just pulled into this marina, and they are now they've got a thirty foot boat, and they are paying twelve dollars a day for thirty foot boat. That's oh, it's a good marina. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's what it should be. I mean, back yeah, in the yeah. day, that's kind of what it was. But yeah, I think people are the marina owners are just taking advantage. Yeah, there yeah. there's been some consolidation, so there's like. You know, they'll have like seven or eight marinas under the same umbrella and they all mm. kind of know what the slip rates are. So what's weird is you'll go to junky marinas and they're charging the same as like a nice spot. It's just weird. Yeah. yeah. It's supply crazy. and demand. But, yeah. Yeah. Supply and demand. This, well, the liverboard thing has become so much more popular now. Like I know when I had my first boat, that was, I think, I think it was like 25 foot long, something like that, but it, it, it was in a 10 meter spot basically. And that was in the north of Wales, which is a beautiful place to sail in, in the UK. It's, it's gorgeous. Pretty severe tides, but it's, it's a beautiful place to sail. And we were paying like one and a half thousand dollars a year. That was 15 years ago. <laughs> so a long time ago, but still like, oh, the prices are crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you remember what we yeah. paid for our 25 foot in San Francisco? Yeah, that sounds like we paid about a hundred and. 10 a month okay for pink panther which is 25 feet and then 10 12 years ago in sausalito we were paying like 400 a month so what 4800 and sausalito is you know the best nice place we were sneaking on though i mean we were yeah, <laughs> yeah. sneaker boards <laughs> we were boards. Yeah. No, I, was, I was talking to a couple of guys in california and they they were saying like to, to get a liverboard spot in a marina is basically impossible. You have to like know yeah. someone yeah. pretty much. You just have to know someone. That's, that's the only way in. But yeah, they were saying like 30, they could have 30% liverboard at one point and then it's down to like 15 or 10. It's 10. And then they can't yeah. use certain paints. Like there's certain paints that you can't use on your boat. I was yeah. like, I, they just make it so difficult. What's the, <laughs> what's the point? I don't understand. Yeah, it takes away a lot of the fun. Yeah, we made friends yeah. with the uh, with the security guard. That was our strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I think the point is to <laughs> easiest keep moving. person to make friends with. Yeah, yeah, keep moving and stay anchored out. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the idea. yeah. That's the cheapest way. Are you guys going to the boat show? Um, yeah, we are this week. Is it? Yeah, yeah. We hear it's a quite the to do. Uh, we've only been to two boat shows in our lives before, uh, about twenty years apart. And the last one we did was a year and a half ago. Yeah, right before COVID in Miami. That was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Uh, have you been to this one? No, I've not been to that one. We've got um, we've we've got a couple in Europe. The, the biggest one in Europe is Southampton. Um, Southampton is probably uh, it's not like the sailing capital of Europe, but it's like the original sailing capital of Europe, probably. Hmm. Some people might really dislike me saying that, but I think it's true. So, <laughs> so it is, it's a fact. Um, but yeah, then we've we've got another one in Spain in, a, in an island called Mallorca, and they yeah. have probably like the Mediterranean boat show. Yeah. Um, Big boats. So yeah, those, yeah, yeah, super, yeah, the super yachts, basically stuff like that. All, all the catamaran, all the catamaran guys go there. So just right back to the beginning, um, what made you want to start doing this, if you can remember? 
Uh, like it was yesterday. Your answer is probably pretty easy. Um, I, I would say that it was my grandfather. I I was oh, I right. was sailing dinghies back in the day, you know, since I can remember. And then my grandfather and and uncles were all offshore racers, so they had these IOR boats, and we go out, you know, completely over canvassed and squirrely downwind, and I just had the best time, you know. So that's six, seven, eight years old. Kind of tabled it, shelved it, whatever, back of my mind. Well, you know, you get your, you know, money-making days going. And then um, at a certain point, I was like, wow, I'm I'm out of debt. I get a little a little bit of money in my pocket. What should I do with it? And I was like, I want a boat. <laughs> Safe and for me, I, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I had never sailed. And in my family, we love the ocean. We go to the beach all the time. But it was always like, oh, the ocean is scary you know let's stay on shore and so no boaters in my life in my family um and then nick it was like we got together right out of our freshman year in college and so what we've been together about nine years when he's like let's buy a boat and yeah. you know we bought the 25 foot boat cruised around san francisco bay that's where i learned and then he's like i want to go to the south pacific yeah <laughs> To, I mean, I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. <Let's do> it. <laughs> this is, uh... To answer your question more directly, I would say what made me hunger for the cruising lifestyle was mm -hmm. like the YouTube of that day, which was these early adventurers from the 60s and 70s, even some 50s, you know, the Hiscox and um, right. Hal Roth and Beth parties. Leonard, the parties, of course, I'm reading these accounts of these adventures back when they didn't have, you know, push button navigation, you know, they were taking sun yeah. sites on boats that they built themselves. And it just felt like real adventure. And I, I looked around at our, you know, somewhat successful careers. And I was like, this is just not, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. And so it was these books. And, and Latitude 38. Yeah, the Latitude 38 yeah. magazine too. Um, that's what really made me want to do it. And I think living in San Francisco where it's just iconic with all the sailing and the, yeah. the boats and that. But yeah, for me, it was a bigger, um, I guess, dream to think of actually going somewhere, going out and, you know, casting off. But it was sort of after my dad passed at 57. And then September 11th happened and we were, I was working 80 hours a week and then remodeling our house. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Sailing away sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's go. This I was doing morning weather at the time on television. And that meant I got up at like two 33 in the morning, you know, to get down oh, to the station oh. and all that. And so kind of the same thing. I was just like, man, we're busting our humps here. And I guess, you know, we've got, we have cars that we own and we have a house and stuff, but it just, I don't know. Wasn't yeah. It's it? like the, yeah. the American dream mm -hmm. just wasn't, it was like, what, this is it. <laughs> this like, is it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I like that. It, the standard lifestyle, which the majority of people aim for, which is just to get so good at a job that you earn so much money and just get a bigger house and then a bigger mm -hmm. house and more in debt and more in debt and more in debt. It, it doesn't really satisfy you. I think one, yeah. once you've, if you are a sensible enough person and you get to the point where you have a nice car and you have a nice house and then perhaps something goes wrong in your life, like something with your partner or your parents, you realize that it actually doesn't mean anything. And yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you're shooting off into the sunset can give you like way more enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about that is, and you've spent some time on the sea as well. The sea also gives you that reality check 
too. You know, you could have some sort of, I don't know, extraneous worry or concern or something like that. But once you're dealing with a wind that's come up or the sail, too much sail or some sort of mechanical problem, all of a sudden the immediacy of this reality, this is real reality and all of those you know, like envy and stress over mm. finances and stuff that kind of evaporates. And I think yeah. also like from a very early age, myself and both of us were always like, what, you know, looking around at the world and the universe going, what is going on here? <laughs> what is this? This is amazing <laughs> that we're here. And I feel like yeah, there's yeah. no better place to contemplate that stuff than the ocean. Yeah. It's yeah. timeless. Yeah. It's real. You, you know, it's, it's like this direct connection to that question. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what really keeps me coming back. Yeah. 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 I, like middle, middle of the night watch, you know, like a, a moonless night, you know, with clear skies and, you know, you're out on the real ocean, you're 150 miles off or something like that. And you're looking up at these stars and you're like, I really oh, am. Going on. <laughs> I'm on a rock <laughs> flying through space. Yeah. Like I, it, that's what's yeah, going yeah. on here. So yeah, yeah we're yeah. trippers. We're trippers. <laughs> yeah. No, it's me and my wife, like literally, literally every night we, we sit down, we chill out, we just go outside and we just look at the stars and like, what, what are we? Like, what, what are you? What am I? Like the same thing <laughs> yeah. that makes that brick is literally making me you know, yeah. exist right now. What on earth's going on? But it's yeah. cool because it's like, when, am I, it's, it's the same as what you said, Megan, like when, when you're on a boat and you, you know, you're just looking it to infinity as far as you know, across like the ocean, it, it, it makes it a bit more real than when you're yeah. in a city or when you're just doing a job, like you can appreciate what's oh, yeah. around you a bit more. I know. I, yeah, that's so exactly true. the feeling. Yeah. It's yeah. all of a sudden, a lot of that, a lot of it, not all of it, there's reality on shore too, but a lot of it, man, it seems like theatrics. It seems like dr just drama. It's just distraction. Distraction. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of reality out there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's a really good thing. I mean, it depends what type of person you are, but it's like you guys have obviously both been successful and you've both like had those careers and lived in the city and stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I think you do need to do that before you can yeah. really step away and, and you appreciate it more when you do. I agree. Um, and, it, and it's like this, if you're the type of person that like carries anxiety or you have a lot of stress or stuff on your shoulders, it's so meditative and relaxing. Like it really does set you apart from what else is going on in your life. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it can, it can distill things for you. So yeah, I, I definitely, when I'm out there, you know, on a long watch or something like that, I'll have memories, not necessarily yeah. bad memories or whatever, but they'll just come like shooting out of nowhere in a really, mm. really vivid way. And it's almost like you get to kind of sort through things yeah. sometimes. So it's yeah. like the sea is therapy even it's, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah the spiritual side of sailing yeah. yeah there's yeah. a podcast that's right? a podcast right there spiritual yeah. sailing i mean something yeah. different yeah. lsd maybe i don't know <laughs> right well there's Perhaps, that yeah. there's that uh, jim carrey uh the actor jim carrey the comedian jim carrey he's in one of his videos he says i wish everybody would make millions of dollars or, or be successful i can't remember yeah exactly like make says. a million whatever i wish everybody could so that they could see prove to themselves that that is not the that's answer. not the answer mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah i agree with you like yeah mm -hmm. having a career and and whatever and seeing that that's maybe not terribly fulfilling or at least it wasn't for us mm -hmm. helps yeah yeah and i think yeah. that you know we've done this 
cruising thing, this lifestyle, like three different times. And so going yep. back and forth from land and working on land and then going to see, I think it, in a way it also gives us the contrast and the, um, the experience and wisdom to go, oh, we can do that. We can just go set back up on land. Yeah. It's really yeah. simple. And then <laughs> yeah. getting back to sea is a little harder, right? But it's still doable, Yeah, totally. you know? And, and instead of the model of like, work your ass off, excuse me, and then retire and then go to sea. And it's like, you're, you're gambling. You're banking on some yeah. actuarial tables working out in your yeah. favor. And it, yeah, a lot we, of people do that. And we consult with a lot of people that do that. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that's a bad way, but just for us, I saw my stepdad, he passed at 53 and I was 21. I was there when he died and he had dreams of going out to sea, you know, and he was three years away. And he had enough money to go take a break and go do it. Yeah. But he was, you know, yeah. of a model that you have to save X amount because you're going to live to X amount. You know, that's, yeah. Yes. I think it's kind of a holdover yeah. from like the broader consumer society perspective that a lot of us are brought up into. And, and uh, we're working on a video right now that's about little boats. We've had boats of all different sizes, and we're just a fan of all different boats, monohulls, catamarans, dinghies, motorboats, whatever. And it's really the spirit of the adventure. It's not how many miles you went or how long the waterline was or whatever. It's what are you putting yourself out there against and how are you testing yourself and testing your own abilities, your own resourcefulness? Yeah. That's what really, really matters. So for the person who's waiting for that particular bank account or that particular boat or whatever, that that's going to be what really matters about whether this is fun or not. Yeah. That's a, that's a fallacy. That's like, well, I need an iPhone 17 because this iPhone 14 isn't so good. It's like, no, your, your iPhone 14 is great. You know, you don't need the 17 or 28 or yeah. whatever we're on that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then we're also doing a video coming up too. That's about the different ways people cruise. Some do seasonally, some do sabbatical, some work on the road like we do now. And, and then some that save up for retirement. There's so, no perfect way. Yeah. yeah. Just to show that there's lots of different yeah. ways to do it. Lots of different boats, yeah. lots of different ways of doing it. Yeah. 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 It depends whereabouts in the country, well, no, not in the country. I mean, it depends whereabouts in the world you are as well. And then which country you're in, because, you know, know, in the Med, like when winter sailing isn't really very nice. There's too many storms and it's too unpredictable. Whereas, um, yeah, suppose if you're in the States, you've actually got quite a few options. You can go down to the South Caribbean and you can spend mm -hmm. summers there and avoid hurricanes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've we've gone back and forth from the Caribbean, the Bahamas to the Southeast Coast more times than we thought we would just because <laughs> of, you know, conditions, you know, all that yeah. out there. Um, and I would say that this area of the world offers a lot of flexibility for cruising, especially as an American, but it's not an easy weather area. It's mm. it's pretty yeah. Yeah, it's the mid latitudes for sure. And you have to get all the way down to really mm -hmm. Martinique or St. Martin before you're, you're not being affected by those fronts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so just to, um, just to go back a little bit, I mean, into, I know that Nick, you were like a meteorologist and Meg, I, I can't remember what you did before. 
Um, you were I was, um, again, high tech. I did recruiting, managing teams. I worked for Hewlett Packard for my last part of my career, but marketing kind of pre-sales. Yeah. Customer advocacy. Okay. So corporate, a corporate yeah. world in general then really. Yeah, yeah. really. And how, how did you guys transition from doing those types of jobs where you were obviously like earning decent money, you know, in, in a nice property, I'd imagine to then living on a boat and doing something completely different like did was the first stint just saving up and then going for it yeah or did yes. you try and, yeah yeah right yeah back when we were 30, 29 yeah. we, were, we saved every penny sold our house sold everything um you know made a game out of how little we could spend and how i mean i worked at west marine to get the discounts we spent we, too much there yeah we were we we <laughs> went from not really caring about what we spent to just bean counting every single dollar and it was a game it was really yeah. cool and you know what was really amazing about it too was you uh quit your high-tech job mm -hmm. and then took a one day a week or two day a yeah, week job at west marine but between the savings from working at west marine not commuting and a couple other things insurance i think it was actually cheaper for you to not work five days a week it's like we really got down to brass tacks and we figured out exactly and then he his job went from a five days a week to the weekends so now we had five days a week to sail outfit the boat you know which was key for us getting ready to go out and hopefully go across the pacific which um, a lot of money was still away. in uh you're still in san diego or san francisco you said yeah san, san francisco san francisco yeah. okay but we you know we pushed real hard man i mean I, I worked a double shift saturday sunday and then we would commute down to the boat in los angeles or san diego mm -hmm. and it was like we were driving all night either way and i would get to the station the tv station maybe 45 minutes before the show started, you know, and we had slept in the back of the car on the way. Up. Oh yeah. We're doing three hours yeah. on three hours off to practice, but it know? was, we were so pumped. Oh, oh. We were so excited for it. Yeah. yeah. And then we were heading, we, we sailed to our wedding in Puerto Vallarta. So it was all a big culmination of a lot of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the transition overall, I mean, we made some real classic fumbles in terms of like learning the boat, and moving way too much gear on board. I mean, yeah. we were swimming in stuff on this boat. Like you could barely walk around yeah. when we moved out of the house. There was so much stuff. And what else did we do wrong? We, you know, we we didn't really have a slip set up beforehand. So we were kind of quasi homeless and <laughs> it was a little rough, but we it was exciting and it was yeah. it was the beginning of the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if it's what if it's what you want to do, and like deep down you can see the end of that that goal, like you'll fight through a lot of crap mm -hmm. together. You know? Yes. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Exactly. In conditions, whatever. Yeah, you'll really go yeah. for it. So what? So you had you had like your little boat when you first started out, and you were doing this like crazy lifestyle routine that you were just talking about. Then, what what made you want to stop once you got there and then go back on land? Because I know you went back on land twice. You said. Yeah. 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 Well, what the, made you want to stop and then go back? Yeah, the the first time, so boat number two was our cruising boat that was a forty six foot monohull, and that's what we sailed down to Mexico and got married. And we were heading to the South Pacific that next uh, March or mm -hmm. April, and it was a couple of things that we actually checked out of Mexico. We were ready mm -hmm. to go the next day, but we had a fuel tank rupture. 
the night before and we had some rigging fail and then we had a crew issue and all these things kind of were signs we were like oh mm. i think we're pushing too hard we're, and you had had some lower back issues my a back few pain, weeks yeah. before you know they were kind of chronic things and so that was on the back of my mind of like there were just too many red lights like you know yeah. red flags so we went up into the sea of cortez which is absolutely fantastic cruising i mean yeah it looks beautiful oh mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderful cruising territory and we were fully intending to just spend the hurricane season up there but kind of a series of strange coincidences led to I got sucked back in a job offer that I mm -hmm. couldn't refuse. Yeah. And it was like, man, I could work for a couple more years and then we'd be set for five. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we just got sucked back in. We, you know, we bought a couple more houses and then we tried to commute to the boat and that didn't work. Yeah. So we just, we pulled the plug and then, then we were firmly on land for another two or three years. Before we got the next boat. Yeah. yeah. And the next boat was a 33 foot boat, which was kind of a perfect okay. size, you know? Yeah. We really love yeah, the low thirties boats. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was something yeah. that we then cruised on like for three months at a time. Yeah. So we How took much? little, little mini sabbaticals and, and then that's when I sort of got back into my heavy duty corporate world, yeah. which was fun to have those new challenges and, you know, again, save more money and, bought another house back in our hometown. So we were around all the family and nieces and nephews who were, you know, that little under six age, which is so perfect to be around. Yeah. So I, I feel like we kind of filled up our love tanks, our bank accounts again. Yeah. We had this little 33 foot boat that we could, you know, put on a trailer and take it from, you know, San Francisco to Oregon, yeah. you know, so it was very, very versatile. Mm -hmm. And um, you then eventually sailed it from San Francisco to San Diego by himself. Yeah, a little single-handing action. When we moved down there. So, yeah, we were sort of just inching our way back towards, like, saving for the cruising kitty, you know, and then thinking about what's the next big adventure. We, and, we were also yeah. land yachting. We also bought a couple different RVs. So we were still traveling, even when we weren't on the 33-foot boat. We were having these adventures across mm -hmm. the southwest United States. So it's not like that Gosh. wanderlust ever ceased. It was just like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. You you know how expensive the boat stuff can be. Yeah. And you're like, gosh, if we just, if we put the hammer down, make some dough, you know, we can extend that trip once we take off. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the corporate stuff was definitely like, okay, for three more years, you'll yeah. get this mount, you know, like just, they just kept, you know, dangling, <laughs> right? So anyway, we just, uh, we finally reached maximum, like, Hey, the market's good for selling the house. Yeah. We're going to get the most there. Just let's go for it. Let's and go for the cat. We'd won a catamaran for a long, long time, you know, uh, for all the obvious reasons, all the liverboard features and stuff, but it was just, it was always yeah. out of reach, yeah. always out of reach. And so we we're like now or never let's, let's go for it. Yeah. So uh, the one that you've got now, that is a leopard. 45 is it 46 46 okay when, when did yeah. you get that wow it's been almost five years yeah december 15th right. is our fifth year anniversary yeah yeah right. that's wild and you got it from uh, moorings i think you said yeah yeah we it was yeah, the yeah. um it was a charter boat and yeah we it was not our first choice we surveyed five boats mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, took us a year. Took yeah. us a year. It's a lot of money in surveys. I know. <laughs> okay. 
so expensive. Yeah, but it's like once you do all the spreadsheeting, I'm sure you've been through this, you know, you survey a boat and you figure out what you got to put into it. It's like there's the purchase price, but then there's how you need the boat to be for your needs. And yeah, yeah, catamarans are a different beast. I mean, there's a lot more to them in some ways. Structurally, they're built. There's vast differences between different catamarans. And so we... Yeah, we had to kiss and, some frogs. Yeah, we didn't know much about them. And plus, there wasn't much on in, on YouTube about catamarans. There was back nothing. Then. Yeah. It's changed quite a bit. Yeah, going back know. like six years. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing really. Nothing. No, uh, no, no, there wasn't. Yeah. And I, I'd say that I was, when we headed into it, I was like, yeah, I don't want to buy a charter boat. I want to buy, I wanted an Utramare. We surveyed an Utramare. Um, I wanted something fast. I wanted something performance oriented. And then I sailed an Utramare and I was like, I'm not a good enough sailor. I, I can't handle this thing. It's too, <laughs> too fast. It's too fast. It's too much. It's yeah, yeah. for a double-handed crew like us. Like we even end up slowing our boat down quite a bit. Um, yeah, they'll just they'll get up and and go. So a charter boat was not the first choice, but once we got onto Clarity mm. and sailed it, we were like, well, this actually sails pretty good and then all the liveaboard features have really been well thought yeah and it seemed like the best compromise yeah we love it yeah it just seems like a great layout as well and, and even enough mm-hmm. for like a, a decent sized family like if you had like two yeah. kids or you had you know your sister or your brother with you or something like that it seems like it would be a great size for that as well yes did you yeah, did what so what type of budget did you need going into look because you said you were looking at an ultramare which are <laughs> presumably more expensive than, than a leopard no nah, this is an old one <laughs> oh right um, okay yeah yeah i just because it's still top of mind right now i can give you exactly what our budget was and that evolved you know because we have investments too and we had more money available later that we thought we wouldn't have at first but our initial budget was 272 not 275 272 was our sail away budget <laughs> And, um, right. and so that was going to be the purchase, the fit out, any safety, any upgrades. Oh, everything. And, yeah, that was all in. And this is 2016 right. where, you know, uh, the economy wasn't quite ripping along. It was in recovery mode. There was still quite a bit of catamarans on the market. Irma had not hit. Maria had not hit the Caribbean. And so there was some choice out there. But yeah, we were we were in the high twos at best. And like I said, we made four other deals uh, besides this boat uh, and got to survey. And the reality struck, of course, by year two of owning Clarity is that, you know, you just, you love the boat. And so you just want to keep making her better and nicer and all that stuff. I think we're four. Yeah, we're like 400. Yeah, excluding the regular maintenance, we're 400 into Clarity. Oh, so your initial sail away ready to go budget, you've added 130 grand onto that. Yeah. Since yeah. Then. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. But no, can, can, do you know, like off the top of your head, where that went, that extra, that extra lump? Dingy, rigging, lithium, solar. Um, solar twice. Yeah. Um, what are the big ones? We did life raft. Life, it's uh, it's a lot of little, things. Yeah. We've got all new electronics. Yeah. Um, we've got we've put like almost a new upholstery. We put almost 30 just into the bottom, you know, into fiberglass, mm, right. gel coat, and all that stuff. Props. Props, yeah. uh, new sails, rudders, rudders. 
it's a extensive, extensive list. Um, so if I think part of feeling comfortable enough to put money into the boat has been what the market has been for the leopard 46. I mean, it's a Morelli Melvin design. They've kind of become, there's kind of a cult following for them. And so the boat has held its value. So we feel comfortable investing further into it because we, we don't think we'll get, Mm -hmm. we think it'll be worthwhile to keep the boat up. If it was, if the boat was really depreciating, I'd have a hard time making all these upgrades the way we have. But um, yeah, we, we blew the budget for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a funny thing with catamarans, like definitely more so than monohulls. They just hold the value so much more. But what I've noticed about cats as well is they're probably more similar to a house where if you invest in it, you can actually at least get that money back. Mm-hmm. Um, like you do see like very upgraded catamarans and they are 100k more and you can see where someone spent 100k on it. And yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. you never know what they sell for, but they're advertised for 100k more. So they'd sell for you know, a percentage higher than one that hasn't had that much stuff done to it. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we we do quite a bit of consulting with people who are buying catamarans at our value and much higher values up to, you know, $1.2 million is um, where the budget for our clients have capped out. And the depreciation is not what it was 10 years ago. The cost, yeah. the replacement costs are skyrocketing. So if you, if you use the rule that a catamaran kept in good condition settles at half its replacement value, well, when you bought it, the build value might've been a million bucks, but in five years, that same build will cost 1.6. So yeah, exactly. if it settles at half, you didn't lose as much. And I, I think it's correlated more with the housing market, it kind of as you mentioned, because mm-hmm. people really can live in a catamaran in the same functional way as a small house i mean many rooms really it is people call them condo morans and i'm i'm like i'm not offended at all (laughs) no that's the good thing about it it is like living in in an apartment you've got a couple of terraces you know the trampolines are terrace it's true it's true and what's crazy is for us we've been together almost 30 years and three years was the longest we ever lived in one place which was the house before we bought this boat so we've been yeah. here five years. <laughs> this is the longest we've ever lived yes. anywhere. This is the longest place you've stayed. Yeah. And it's That's because crazy. it can move around that I think it's the only reason. Yeah, yeah. Stay there. I mean, and plus it's so comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I know one other reason that the catamaran values seem to be steady for now. We don't know what the future holds. But I think that I think that YouTube. Not necessarily mm-hmm. us in particular, although we have added to this conversation with our videos, but it's a lot of times, like in our case, it's his idea. Like he came up with it, not always, but a lot of times it's his idea. And she, while she loves and supports him, might look at that change in lifestyle and go, I don't know, honey, that I'm not from a nautical seafaring background. But now with the YouTube videos, like you can see demonstrably that a cat is pretty easy to live on Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so I think all of a sudden she's on board and the uh, screen lights. So, yeah. So many couples and women have said that to us that uh, because they see how we're living, that they, that it seems possible, you know, Yeah. instead of like, 
back in the day when you're showing me these latitude 38 articles, you know, with these little photographs, look they're honey, they're in the South Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> look at them. They're on a 28 foot boat, you know, yeah, they're yeah. crazy. They're look. <laughs> it's not to say that. Yeah. It's, it's oh, not to sorry. say that we would never, it's not to say that we would never go back to sailing a monohull. We love sailing monoholes. Yeah. It's just for the full-time always living aboard. I, it's a, it's a major difference. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's just a big bit. I mean, when you're on anchor, it's so much more stable. You can deal with, um, you know, different mm -hmm. seas a lot nicer. And yeah, yeah, I mean, if you ever, if you do pull into, you know, a marina for the winter, it is like you're just living on a, you know, like a waterfront apartment property. Yes. It's a houseboat. Like it's so it's nice. a houseboat. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because nice. what you were saying is like YouTube has changed a way a lot of people see that type of lifestyle. I was, uh, and you just mentioned it before. Um, Lynn Pardy, we were talking the other day, and like what well, one of my most fascinating um, questions, I suppose, was like, how how did you become inspired to actually do it? Because in the 1970s, like, what did you actually look at to decide you want to like go around Cape Horn? Like, you know, like what what was the to see? Whereas now it's obvious you can you can go on YouTube and you can literally look at every yeah. aspect of the life and be like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like in the 80s or even the 90s, the early 2000s, you know, you had to be yeah. pretty creative. You had to have an imagination to think of what yeah. it would be like because no people yeah. were doing it. Well, I, I would love to chat with her about that. I mean, was it Larry who helped inspire her or was it, did she read Hal Roth after 60, after 50,000 miles? Was it books that inspired <laughs> her? <laughs> well, yeah. So she, um, yeah, I mean, it was Larry because Larry was already, Larry was already into it. I think, I think she said he was working on a boat. Um, mm -hmm. we, we had a really, we had a really long chat. Um, but yeah, I think she said he was working on a boat and then they, and they basically ended up, you know, getting together and becoming friends, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm really pretty, excited pretty alien to her at first. I'm really excited to see her documentary. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, oh, that's amazing. I saw it. Uh, you she saw sent it. me a link for it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Oh yeah. Man, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's so incredible because it's like when, when we, you know, go and drop anchor and we've got, you know, charter boats around us and there's a super yacht or whatever. And I, I always like look out and I'm like, you know what, there was people doing this when there was no GPS, there was no radio, there was no navionics. Yeah. There was no YouTube. There That's was no real internet. Adventure. If you had if you had a question, you had to dig a book up. Oh um, yeah. You did a mechanic. You're like, find your way back to land and then see. Oh yeah. You know, and they they did it without an engine as well, which just blows oh, yeah. my mind. But I, I just cannot mind. believe that. Yeah. Know. You know, we like were, she said yeah. they 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 needed help into a marina once. They needed mm. help birthing once in once. all of the years. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's it's cool. unbelievable. We were on a uh, Bristol Channel Cutter uh, last week interviewing some friends and um, it's just, it's such a completely different experience than what we're on, what we're doing on Clarity. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you are in the ocean, you're not above it, you know, you're, yeah. you're moving with every little ripple that we're not necessarily feeling. And then you add to that, that layer of navigating by sextant at yeah. best a radio station you know and that's real adventure those are real pioneers yeah much respect yeah oh yeah massive respect yeah i mean like i i often look out and when you go back a bit further and you go to like you know the 1500s when the oceans are first getting mapped out by like you know oh, yeah. the spanish like the british navy and stuff like that 
and I and I, I was thinking the other day it's because like we're crossing the Atlantic in um, December and I was like how how many people were just sent out by the kings to be like okay go see if you can get to America in like <laughs> yeah. June and they just right. don't turn up so they they yeah. must have figured that like November to February was the sweet spot because thousands <laughs> of people just never arrived <laughs> so that's so true but that's, that's it funny. isn't it that's that's yeah. how they figured yeah. it all out which is crazy and then this happened all over the world like the amount of people who were dead just because someone was like okay we need to write a book about where the wind goes in December yeah. it's like this just not <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, like if, even back from what Lynn was talking about, like even back in the 80s, it was like, you know, if you wanted to do a big passage, you could see what was coming over the next couple of days. But the most of it was you just wait for the time of the year and you hope for the best. Pretty much pilot nice. charts. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy now because it's like, you know, if you if you want to cross the Pacific Ocean, you can get like regular weather updates, you know, every morning yeah. with like a little satellite uh, you know, go or something like Beep. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Rel- you, relatively uh, risk-free, really. Did you have a chance to listen to the storm that he? he it's an audio recording that he did on our channel. The title's called no, "Have oh You Ever no. Been in a Storm?" Yeah, yeah. Check that out when you get a chance, because we were in a storm <laughs> off uh, Baja. Yeah, in our first right. cruise down to Mexico, like a real storm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what what yeah, type we, of conditions? Uh, we had uh, knots. we had we had sixty five at the peak sustained. Oh and wow! Then, yeah, we were we were crossing a, a seamount, a shoal, at mm. an angle where there was two different wave trains converging. So we had um, literally thirty foot breaking seas for. <laughs> it's kind of a miracle. It's kind of a miracle we're here. It is because uh, this was before oh the push God. button you know, technology. We did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the details are in the, the, the video or the audio, but you know, I have no excuse, right. Cause I'm a meteorologist and, um, you know, <laughs> All right. really I don't, but you know, this was back in the day before Iridium and, and you, we had a Pactor three modem attached to a, a ICOM 710 single sideband radio. So you dial in the frequency okay. and you, you know, it's a, it's a modem. But we were in such a hurry to leave that I never learned how to use it. So we're four days into passage and things have been so mellow. I just, I didn't even think, yeah. hey, we should download the weather. I mean, you knew if we didn't leave San Diego, we were going to get stuck in a pattern, you know, with all the storms coming out of Alaska. So I feel like you saw, you know, what was coming, but I think we, you must have thought we're far enough ahead of it. I thought we'd outrun it. Yeah, yeah we didn't. Uh, we didn't outrun it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just, you know, you know how it is when you're new at this. You, you don't understand the risks that you're taking when you take them. And that's why a lot of seasoned sailors they end up being a lot more conservative in many ways they're much mm. more diligent hypervigilant, even some kind mm. sometimes to, because they know how bad it can get but this was before yeah. i understood actually how nasty and nasty you didn't have be. the kind of like weather forecasting tools that oh, people yeah. have today where they can you know be yeah predict wind yes. yeah yeah do you have predict wind on your boat yeah i use it for the weather routing as well it's really good for weather yeah. routing yeah yeah it's great. Yeah, I've talked to those guys extensively and the models are pretty darn good. You know, we still have this kind of, we have this limit that is not computationally, you can't overcome it with better computers. And it's past about 72 hours for anything that's really mesoscale or localized. Long-term patterns, we can go out to nine, 10 days. But if you can, if you can look at your boat's speed and your 
your 24 hour run is between 100 and 200 miles, you know, 72 hours is a long time. You can get yeah. one side of a weather system or another and avoid some real nastiness if it comes up. So we're definitely in a new era. Um, three days for us is almost 600 miles. So mm. having the ability to download the weather and change course is huge. Yeah. And uh, I think that's another reason, you know, that cats are getting popular is people see them as speed machines too. So. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, especially considering like you're just talking about the storms and the weather, if you are, you know, if you're like in the South Pacific, for example, you, you can see a storm three days out, you can be well ahead of it by the time yeah. that thing actually hits, especially if you can do like 200 miles a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you don't necessarily want to always be doing 200 miles a day, because maybe the ride isn't so good. But, you know, if, if you have to, um, it's still it's, it's not a it's not a substitute for being able to handle difficult conditions. You know, you can't just count on the fact that you can always outrun things, but most of the time you can see the big things coming your way, you know, two, yeah. three, four days, five days out. So in relation to storms, I've got a question because obviously you've done monos and then you've done cats pretty extensively. Would, would you feel safer in a storm if you're in a mono hole than you were yeah. a catamaran? Yes. Yeah. So that is yeah. the one benefit that a monohull is always going to have. It can tip over and then just come back up. Uh, it's not even that so much. In the storm conditions that we were in, um, you know, which were sub-hurricane force sustained winds, the challenge was slowing the boat. And right. so I was doing kind of this pivot maneuver where I was trying to keep the boat from surfing. And so it's not so much the uh, catamaran can't right itself it's the fact that it's very difficult to slow them down. So you yeah. need to have some sort of plan, you know, trailing warps or having a drogue. We have never deployed either of those, had to, um, but your only other option is like a sea anchor. And hmm. every video I've seen of a sea anchor, I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal with that. So it's, it's not yeah. necessarily the... The, the concern for me isn't that we go inverted. It's that it's really, really hard to slow the boat down. Yeah. What would you, what would you actually do? Like, say, in, in your catamaran, for example, if you were surfing too, too fast, what, what would be the first thing you would do before getting, like, a drogo? Well, no, we, we would have a drogo of sorts, and that's our backup anchor. So we have a 50-pound mm -hmm. Danforth that we would trail behind about 200 feet of okay. a one-inch uh, single braid or double braid. Sorry. Mm. So we would have a method for slowing the boat, but we've never had to deploy it. And it's, it's one of these things where I don't know how we can practice it. We, we, <laughs> we don't want to want to just keep it theory. <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> let's just stay out of those conditions. Yes, please. Yeah. But that would be our, that would be our go-to. And we would, we would start by lying a hull. Well, we first we reef, then we'd go to lying a hull, and then we would run. And it's when we run um, that we would be trading something. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah. definitely, it's definitely something you have to put some thought to because the boat, yeah. the boat on a reach, anything over like 15, 17 knots, we can be at hull speed. So you up, you get to 25 knots, all of a sudden you better be reefed down or the boat's really cooking. It can, it, it our boat is not designed to surf and it, it will surf. So, yeah. 
So we're always reducing sale, trying to keep it under, under uh, powered. So, yeah. Well, so what's the plan for like, obviously, I mean, obviously you're in Annapolis now, you've just gone up North and you've mentioned the South Pacific yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> so it, I mean, COVID pending, cause like nobody knows what, what the hell's going on these days, but like, is, is there a long-term plan for this boat? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, maybe not a plan, but an idea. Yeah, idea. We've wanted to get to the South Pacific for a long, long time. But we know enough cruisers and we've seen how the restrictions um, can really hamper the enjoyment of a cruise. We have zero desire of getting stuck someplace. We value our freedom too much. So we think we're going to stage for the South Pacific. I would say that 22 probably doesn't look great for us. Yeah. And in that case, I think we'd head back up, uh, up to Western Mexico. Um, so oh, nice. canal. Yeah. But we really have to take these things, you know, season by season because, you know, being on YouTube and making a job out of this was never in the cards. Like mm-hmm. we thought we'd be back at work by now. So mm-hmm. the fact that we can think we can plan, you know, a year or two from now, it's like, I don't yeah. know, maybe YouTube, turns us off they could just press a button and say bye-bye see you kelly's uh, yeah they do as well as there was a, there was a channel a few weeks ago i can't remember which which one it was but yeah they, they just came up with some reason yeah sailing channel they oh, came no. up with some reason for um for not wanting them That's on youtube sad. anymore and then um obviously when when you petition it it's basically there's no point nobody ever actually gets back to you so yeah they petitioned it and it'd been like a month and yeah. um yeah, we need an alternative to just the one singular source of like content creator revenue generation. It's it's a bit silly all being in one place. How, how did it come about for you? Because I mean, obviously, like Nick, you've you've um, been on television and stuff with with the meteorology. Um, yeah. Was it? Did did you always have like an ambition to create your own videos or um, you know like a, a vlog? Like when did that start? I, it's kind of a long, it's kind of a long story. I'll try and summarize, but I've always been documenting. I've been shooting since our first cruise. So this is way before YouTube was ever a thing. Um, so I've always been shooting, but then I did see that, you know, we had bought the cat and we were out cruising and we did see that other channels were popping up and getting really successful. And so I was trying to get Megan into it. And she was so resistant. She was like, you know, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Surprising. Cause you, you, you've always got such a big smile. When, exactly. <laughs> when you do it. And that's what I, I kept telling her that I was like, you're a natural, you need to do this. Yeah, you're more yeah. natural at this than I am. Oh, God. So actually I gave up and then she started making the videos for herself. She isn't at her own channel, by the way, she starts making her own videos. Maybe the lesson there is, is that, um, don't push. Don't, I mean, it's, it's kind of probably like parents and kids, right? Don't tell them what to do. Cause they'll do the opposite. Right. It's a natural, like, Oh, you're telling me to do something. And now I really don't want to do it. Yeah. So you did surrender. That, yeah. I just got rid of and, and then I had some like other kind of personal transformational type you know, uh, awakenings where I was like, you know what, I got to get out of my own way in general. I've got to share, you know, that was a message I got my freshman year in college. You know, the the professor's like, Megan, you need to, you know, share with the class what you're thinking. Yeah. 
And I was just shy, right? And so, which is she? She's not shy at all. She's uh, more no, going than I. I mean, one on one, I've always been sense. like, this is, you know, I can do one on one all day long. But the thought of it's the whole thing, you know, the camera, like, just you know, makes people so I so nervous. I gave up, right? And she starts making her own videos, but I gave up. I was just discouraged. And then she's like, Nick, you should make videos. And I'm like, well, what do I make a video about? And she said, we'll make a video about taking this charter boat from, you know, charter condition to mm -hmm. live aboard owner condition. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds stupid, but I'll do it. <laughs> so, so I sit down one day uh, in front of Johnny Depp's Island and just have nothing else to do. And she hits record and I just talk for 25 minutes. And it's out of focus. It's out of focus. So he's like, oh, this is crap. I can't use this. I can't use this. So I let that sit on the shelf for two or three weeks. And I'm like, well, why don't you just record it again? It took you 25 minutes without even thinking about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't have another 25 minutes. So I finally, I'm like, you know what? I'll just edit this. I'll just chop it up. And that video is really the video that people saw. And it's just a classic thing, right? You start talking about something that people are interested in. Yeah, because like, there were no other converting a catamaran boats. Or buying a charter boat yeah. or whatever. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, are, people are coming to you going, oh, what's your experience? And so that's what got the ball rolling. And then it's just been a momentum thing, to tell you the truth. Like, we just, we just keep trying to get better at it. Yeah. And we just... Now we have like this community. We have, you know, thousands of people who are in our Facebook groups. And, and I group. feel like what we've, we've sort of been able to identify who our target audience is, you know, I mean, in terms of like, you know, they always say like, you know, speak to your audience. Yeah. And in the beginning, it's hard to know who they are, right? Well, yeah. we've had over 70 consulting clients, you know, our, our Facebook groups over 3,300 and we've just gotten a lot of feedback and these, the people are, you know, they're doers, they're, they're, doers. they're 45 to 65 primarily. Um, they, you know, have some means, they are very interested, you know, very sincere, uh, earnest people who want to go cruising. It's not the TNA crowd. Yeah. They're not tuning in for me in a bikini, which is fantastic, <laughs> by the way, but they're not tuning in for it. Sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> So what's helped there is that's helped inform the types of videos that we make. So each video that we make, we are really aiming to help in some way. We're, yeah. We want to add value. It's got to be like, here's how to go faster. Here's how to save money. Here's how to do it safely. And then on top of that, because we're a couple of dorks, we like to just have fun and, and just kind of laugh. Like the laugh point is and, to laugh, right? Yeah, like yeah. I think in general, in life, like yeah. when you're laughing, you know you're doing it right you know well so yeah. but but who so we're having a good time with it and growing creatively um but how can you tell where this will go right and i know? feel like that's the, the truly the definition of adventure is to not know what's going to happen yeah and so it's it's twofold for us with the youtube stuff we have no idea where this is going with the sailing, we have no idea where we're going, <laughs> yeah. but it's literally like, okay, today I can accomplish these tasks. Yeah. And then tomorrow I know what I should probably do. And, you know, we've kind of got the next three weeks figured out. And then hopefully we are sailing straight to the Virgin Islands, yeah. you know, for a long, big offshore passage that will yeah. be magical. And we'll meet up with you. You're heading across, right? Yeah. Well, I'll be the, yeah, January. 
Yeah, some point like Sweet. that. Sweet. Oh, well, maybe we'll share an anchorage or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, yeah. That would be so cool. But we we really also love this space that we're in here. We really love the podcasting as well. So we have our own podcast called yep. Under the Sheets with the O'Kellys. Um, I feel like this is one of the last media types where you're just fully in control. Like, yeah, you can say anything you want. You can have sponsors, no sponsors. Whereas YouTube is like, well, you know, we're watching where the computer's <laughs> watching you, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's the same, same with Facebook a little bit as well. Yeah. I, I yeah. used to, I'm a big fan of just normal radio. Um, yeah. So when I was a teenager and then like through to my early twenties, my first job was, it was about an hour and a half each way. Um, so it was like, a, you know, listening to the radio was like my main form of entertainment. Because by the time I got home, I was so exhausted. I just used to sit down and drink tea. I wasn't really focused on like television or anything like that. Um, and that was before streaming. So like when you sat down, you could only watch what they wanted you to watch. Yeah. You couldn't, you know, pick whatever you wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's brilliant for that. You know, you can just oh. free flow communicate however you want. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if, yeah, I mean, if we were talking about like jihad, they'd probably like pull you down. I, I imagine. But, you know, <laughs> failing, failing that, I think you're pretty let's safe. Not test it. Yeah, yeah, let's not test that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wait, there's yeah, a there's drone no outside. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're here listening already. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. Um, right, and just uh, about the coffee as well. This is this is genius. I think this is really good. I, I like coffee, by the way. Uh, oh, good. We'll bring you some. Yeah, yeah we'll bring the, you some. The Caribbean. It's really yeah, good stuff. I, I, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was I was actually going to ask if they uh, ship it internationally as well because I I actually would like to try some of that. I just worry that the cost is going to be as much as the coffee. The cost and so is so I just high. Can't Probably imagine. would be. Yeah, it's like it's sad too because I would say half our viewership is outside the U.S. and uh, yeah. not that everybody drinks coffee, but a lot of Canadians, a lot of Brits. We would love to set that up, and yeah. you know, maybe if we get really big, we can do that, and we can just. <laughs> eat the cost ourselves or whatever but um yeah it's good it's good coffee it's been a really where, where did this exercise. idea come about um what do you well, want should I, we tell the whole story i think the, the main thing is is we've always had entrepreneurial spirit both our families both parents are entrepreneurs and so i think that we've in our minds have always wanted to have a product, a tangible, you know, a good. tangible good. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, you know, doing something that you love, that you endorse, that you fully support is you got to start there, right? It's like, we drink yeah. this, we love this. We, we found the best thing and we want to share yeah. it. Yes. So, so that was the foundation of it. And we kicked that around for a long time, but to tell you the truth, it was, um, it was a couple of patrons who really cheer led us patrons well, I won't give details, but patrons with the requisite experience and connections mm. to give us the confidence. They said, you guys have the ingredients at your disposal mm. to be good at this. And we know the coffee business, by the way. And, and you know, we can get, guide you. You can do this. You should think bigger than coffee, even, you know, yeah. just really, just really encouraging, encouraging. voices. And, and that was in May. And so then we went home for the summer and we started looking into the best uh, roasters in Portland, which has got, we kissed some frogs, you know, yeah. we, yeah, we were kind of um, thinking it wasn't going to work out, mm-hmm. but kind of a hail Mary situation came about and we met really a coffee genius from our childhood, like yeah. coffee, our very first coffee oh, wow. experiences. <laughs> yes. This guy's been roasting for 35 years. 
So um, yeah, he's a genius, super duper experienced, and he helped us select the bean and the roast and gave us some really insight, uh, insightful advice about how to launch this yeah and also um, like this particular single roast for the, the the full calf version like you can't even buy it he doesn't sell it yeah. single roast like this so yeah, you can't sell it you have, can't buy it yeah it's cool that we've got that special line so yeah it's not a high margin business but what it is teaching us about supply chain about inventory about handling orders um is really and e-commerce and marketing and marketing yeah we've yeah. learned so much yeah um, it's just an experiment like you don't know unless you get the experience that's how you learn and so yeah yeah it's been really fun to see i mean especially in this day and age the technology is there like anybody can start any kind of e-commerce business right from their yeah. living room so yeah. Yeah. i wanted that experience and um it, you know, every time we get an order, we just got one a few minutes ago. It's just like, you know what? That's amazing. Like that yeah. we've had two roasts now and we're just, you know, once you get things rolling and you work out the kinks in theory, this should be a very hands-off situation. Yes. Uh, that being theory, said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in theory, but we've got the partners, like we have a great distributor and the roaster, they're six miles from each other, you know, and then you've got shipping. The actual, yeah. you, you know, you, in our case, UPS or USPS. And I haven't had one complaint. No, no. People love the yeah. coffee. That really helps. But the, um, you know, the margins are not big on coffee, but what we've learned is just incredible. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, that's the way we look at all these things. Like it, it, you can't go in it like, well, how much money am I going to make on this or that? You have to go in with the right spirit. Yeah. 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 I think if you go in with the intention of just doing it really well, no matter yeah. what, you will right. make money out of the back end of it. It'll work. Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be. And we'll take whatever learnings we got there and yeah. take it to the next thing, you know, whatever yeah, there, high margin. There business. is no loss in There's this situation. No no. Yeah. It's been really cool. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to toy with the idea of being able to like turn off the advertisements on YouTube. You know, if we could literally get to a financial point where the businesses surrounding the videos can pay for the videos completely. I mean, that'd be just amazing. Yeah. Be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool. How, 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 how did it go with like starting to earn money from YouTube? Was that something that kicked in and started to be successful recently? Or has that been good for you for quite a while? Cause I, I don't understand like the, um, the economics behind it. I don't keep track of it as much as Megan does. So maybe you can. I feel like in the very beginning when, you know, you're was technically under your channel, you hit that mark pretty quick for monetization. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the first six months, it was in that six to $900 per month range. And, yeah. and then it sort of averaged at 2,500. So we last a year ago, last summer, we hit our peak at like 4,300. So we had some big hits, right? Like three in a row. Um, so I feel like we're pretty stable. If I mean, if nothing else, like, yeah, it's, yeah. But it's, it's from what we've seen from other creators, there's a really wide range with how much you can make. It really depends not so much on your content, but it depends on who is watching. Who's watching. Yeah. So if you have high net worth individuals who are watching your content, the advertisements can pay you literally 10 times what somebody who's showing bikinis might be. So yeah. it's really hard to, to say, oh, well, that guy's got 
600,000 views on his video. So therefore he made blank. That's not how the YouTube works. Um, We did last spring, we broke down how much we have made versus how much time it takes. And it's a very, very low wage job. What, $10 it, or something? Yeah, if yeah. you don't count the shooting, it's like $10 an hour. So you have to do it because you enjoy making videos, not because you think it'll pay for your boat or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest benefit of it as well, like I've, I've got uh, two friends who do it and I am, um, I, I've I watched them shoot and think about how they're going to film certain things when they're on the boat. I was like, oh my God, this is such a headache. And like, they've asked me a couple of times because I do all my own engine work and stuff. And I was like, oh, I need to do this on my engine. They were like, oh yeah, you should film it and put it on so people can learn. I do it yeah. for like two minutes and I'm like, no, I'm fed up. I'm not losing my camera. I'm working. Like it's, yeah. it, is, it is really, really hard. Um, and, I, yeah. I, and I think you do have to have like a natural desire to want to make videos to in, in order to do it and do it well um yeah because yeah the amount of time you have to put in it's yeah it's it's crazy and the editing oh my god i don't yeah i it don't is, like that i just i just really do this difficult. and it's enough for yeah. me <laughs> that's cool yeah that's we, cool. we and, love the podcast and yeah. you do it well you so, do it well yeah. so congrats yeah. whatever format out there you know that you resonate with is the way you should do it i mean i i see some mimicry happening in the sailing world where people are trying to make videos that look like somebody else's video and i i just okay. wish people would make their video like if they like country music like the video should have country music in it you know what i mean yeah and just be yourself because that's the only way we're surviving through it is the fact that we don't um have to stage things we we just have the camera handy and if it looks like it could be interesting we we hit the red button i think our problem is capturing too much stuff that's not interesting that we never use yeah, but it sort of bogs down <laughs> the hard drive. Better the opposite, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So we got to give. Yeah. You know, there's there's always so much room to improve, right. and mm-hmm. I feel like as I have gotten older, and I don't know that it's totally this lifestyle, but in general, I feel like when that feeling of being excited about growing, of getting better at yeah. something. You know, yeah. and maybe it is a function of getting older. I mean, we're 48 and it's like, maybe you, you see that life is short and precious. And so, you know, it just inspires you to say, I want to get this better and do this more efficiently. And, you know, yeah. it's just fun to like yeah. grow and learn. What's crazy. Yeah. And what, what, what totally motivates us is that we have, we've reached a point where there's this feedback loop happening where we're literally meeting people out cruising who watched the videos and listened to the podcast and they're like we're <laughs> out cool. here we're out here because of what you guys and are. then they say and uh, the verdict so is nice. not out and the verdict's not the out. verdict is not out and we hate you <laughs> or we love you yet <laughs> and some days it's bipolar and some weeks yeah yeah, yeah. but it is true like to be able to see them out here it is i feel like like we never had kids and so I sometimes equate like our YouTube um, motivation or inspiration is like this way of sharing our knowledge in the way that a parent shares their knowledge with their kid and has that feedback loop, right? Yeah, because we're not, we're we not get calling people, cruisers children. No, but, but yeah. we get people who say like, <laughs> please keep doing this every single week because we're gonna, we're, you're feeding our dream. Yeah. 
you know, and that mm -hmm. makes you sort of feel like you have a responsibility it's to a like privilege. show up. It's and, a total privilege. But then you see yeah. the yeah. people out there actually doing it and they're, and, you, and it, the joy I, we feel like seeing their boats and hearing about their stories. It's the same thing I imagine a parent feels about their kid, right? Like yeah. you're cheering them on, you're excited, you're proud of them. Like, totally. and I'm not calling them our kids, but no, I'm just no. saying it's like the only parallel I can like imagine with the whole having children thing. It's about having purpose. I think yeah, that that's purpose, the point. It's yeah. just that it's just such an amazing time in history where these tools are available, where we can communicate across thousands of miles and we can record these experiences that we're having and then beam them to a server where other people can watch that's them. Wild. It's a total privilege to be involved in their stories in any way. Yeah. And then, okay, yeah. trip out on this, man. Check this out. So then people who have watched us and consulting clients are now starting their own thing. So they're starting their own Facebook pages where they're giving out advice yes. and, and help and stuff like that. So it just, it just spreads forward. It's like a, it's a ripple. Yeah. It's like Lynn yeah. and Larry, Lynn and Larry did their thing and the, yeah. their ripple spread out and yeah. then you're doing your thing. We're doing our thing. And that's spreading out. It's all connected. Right? Yeah. That's the whole thing. Connected, I think is the word too, that inspires us is like just this, this sense of community. Not only do you have the cruiser spirit where people, how can I help you? What did you, you know, that interest and yep. connection that people instantly have. And it sort of catapults you to a new level, like quicker, because you're like, I don't know how long you're going to be in this anchorage. So yeah. let's, you know, tell me everything. And, <laughs> you know, it's just that the world needs that so much right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think it's it's so cool as well. I mean, we've I mean, really, since you know, we've been able to write on paper and print. We've an individual has been able to like dramatically affect other people's lives in a positive way and in a negative way in, in some cases as well. Sure. But I think certainly since like YouTube started and Facebook and um, you know, there's oh, there's been many. You know, it's been like independent music. You know, since people have been mm -hmm. able to do their own music and put it on, you know different forums that type of stuff but it's like it's it the, the possibilities are infinite when you think how many how many people throughout the rest of time could possibly watch one of your videos and maybe become inspired and not only that like maybe some dude who's like traveling through space in a hundred years would be like i wonder sure. where we started this and like sure oh there's some guys that that catamaran was like a little spaceship you know oh, yeah. <laughs> My God, that's so you're totally right man you're totally it's, right it's infinite like it's, it's literally leaving like a complete imprint in history um oh and it's that and it's just there out. to benefit people it's so cool i think yeah, that, yeah. i think that might be the best boat name little spaceship little spaceship is good little spaceship yeah little spaceship. we decided we're, go we're gonna call our next one well we're gonna call it voyager I wanted to call it the USS Voyager, but then I was like, some people might think it's USSR and the night right. like, we're <laughs> so I, like, I think we'll just go for Voyager instead. That's my favorite Star Trek. That's a good too. Oh that's yeah, really that's pretty good. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's it. Well, listen, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, speak to me and, and allowing everybody to like listen into your story and your background in a little bit more detail. I, th I, th I think it's uh, great. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. you. Yeah. Carry on so making fun. the videos. It's uh, it's it's such such a good part of my week so uh yeah re really Aww. appreciate it thank you very much thank oh, you thanks thanks for having us on and thanks for doing what you're doing yeah and congrats because, for yeah. your success congrats. yeah you're doing great